Bible study session with Dr. Moore. He will be teaching the Word of God like no other. God gives him with us here at the Lord tonight. He will be continuing on the topic from last week. So get out the KJVs, the NLVs, your living water, any Bible that you have, and follow along with him. Some of the scriptures were really good from last week. The topic from last week was amazing. And he will be continuing. He will be talking about tonight, just to give you guys more of a clarification, a prepared church. Okay, so that still kind of ties into what it was last week in a sense. Now, what you don't know was that at these newer lessons, everything will tie in from one lesson to the next. We're in the end times, whether you believe it or not, we are. And with tonight's topic, are you a prepared church? Well, ask yourself, are you a prepared church? And what does a church mean to you? A church is a body of Christ. We're all a part of God's body. We all make up the body of Christ. Those who are saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, those that are new babies in Christ that are seeking the Holy Ghost, we all make up one entire body of Christ. And God said, don't get ready. Don't try to be ready. Don't think you're ready, but be ready. No man knoweth the time, nor the hour, nor the minute, second that the Lord is coming back for you. He comes every day at some month. So God is here daily taking those out of here. He's taking his faith with him, and those that he knows will not adjust or conform to what he has in store for their life. They're leaving as well. That's when we say someone is in bereavement. That is because God has come back at that second time and minute to take someone. But to be a prepared church, what does that mean? Well, first off, we are a church. Our own temple is a church of God. But God allows us to go into a design meeting place with others where God said we're two or three assembled, he will be a God in the midst. That means we go into a building and we praise and worship and we talk and we seek the Holy Ghost and we pray, we fast, and we do this, and we join up with others that feel the same way we do about God. That is what we know as a church building. So in order to be a prepared church, we need to, first off, we have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we have to speak in an unknown tongue. That is our comforter that God left us was the Holy Ghost. He said he wouldn't leave us nor forsake us. So when he went into ascension, he left us. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. So if you have those three items, then you are prepared as a church in your own self. And then what do you do once you're prepared, church? You take heed to that and you help somebody else learn how to be prepared. Another thing I want to point out. A lot of people in the actual physical churches say, come as you are. I've been researching this over the last couple of days, and I have not seen anywhere in any Bible where the Lord says, come as you are. They used to say back in my younger days as a child in certain churches, come as you are to you know better. That is not in the Bible. That is nowhere in any biblical uh, studies, theology books, none of that. Come as you are, that is incorrect. What we should tell people is, they're welcome into the church house, and we will teach them how to grow. But don't tell them, don't say come as you are because that's not in the Bible, and that's a misconception. Because once they walk into the church house, we are to teach them how to be young men and young women of Christ, and that is what Dr. Moore does at our church. He teaches us how to be young men and women of Christ and how to grow with Christ. He's teaching us how to be a prepared church. But do you know how to be a prepared church? Well, you're going to find out tonight. So write down some notes tonight. 
make and what I want y'all to do when y'all have some time, which of course if you're ever on social media, get off social media and do me a really huge favor. Write a checklist based on tonight's lesson and write and write a check you know, a checkpoint list and then you can check off each and every time you complete something off the list. This will indeed make you a prepared church because if you're not prepared, you don't have much time because God's already coming back. This is the end time. There are Excuse me, there are signs and wonders that we are seeing in today's dispensation. Just look at the news, the political realm that we're in right now. It's not about our president per se, but it is about what's happening on Capitol Hill, what's happening at the White House with the House and the Senate. Just in general, in these generational times we're in right now, we are living in the last days. A lot of things that are happening right now talks about a revelation. If you do have a spare time, Ask the Lord to give you a greater understanding of the book of Revelation, and it'll break down exactly what we're facing in this dispensation. But I've talked enough for tonight, and now I'm going to get you to the man of the hour, the shepherd of my house, my grandfather, the Honorable Dr. Bishop Alphamore. God bless everybody. God bless you in radio land tonight. This is the day the Lord has made, and let us be glad and let us rejoice therein. It may not seem to be a good day to you, but God has made it. And therefore, amen, because he has made it, we must try to rejoice and accept what the Lord has allowed to be upon this earth. Thank God, amen, for my announcement tonight, bringing us on once more and again tonight, praise the Lord. We're going to get ready to get right into the word of God, but... I don't want you to take these things lightly, amen. All over the world, amen, there seems to be a change that's coming. Look at our weather, amen. In place of it having snowed in decades, it's snowing. Just look around. But tonight we are coming to you to talk about a prepared church. I ask you to pray for Dr. Moore, praise the Lord. My granddaughter may help me out tonight. My eyes are a little bad. But amen, I'm still giving God the glory and praise. Thank God again for Blog Talk Video and all amen, podcasters, amen, that has opened their lives up that we can share, amen, the word of God with you tonight. In the book of Amen, St. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 23, uh, it reads and says, Wherefore, by their fruit, ye shall know them. Talk about amen, false prophets. Wherefore, by their fruit, you shall know them. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name has cast out devils? And in thy name does many wonderful work? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. A prepared church tonight. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 and 5 says, And Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Matthew chapter 24, verse 11 says, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Matthew chapter 24, verse 23 and 24 says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall, for there shall rise false Christes and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it was possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 26. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descends, and the flood cometh, and the wind bloweth, and beateth upon that house, and it fell not. It was upon a foundation upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not should be likened unto a foolish man which builds his house upon the sand. My brothers and sisters tonight, a prepared church, we're living in a day and time, amen, we, we must be prepared. Many false prophets and antichrists has gone out into the world and has and is deceiving many. Matthew the seventh chapter and the fifteenth verse say, Beware of false prophets, which cometh to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. And that is to say, man, we got ministers, we got priests, and we got those amen that come in authority saying, I am of Jesus Christ. I, I belong to Jesus. I know Jesus. But the Bible is letting us know that they may act like a saint, they may look like a saint, but they can't really live like a saint. The devil can only live holy and present, present himself righteous for a period of time, and the devil going to show his color. They come in and sheep clothing, but inwardly, inwardly, inwardly. Don't look on the outside for a woman of a man. Amen. Listen to what comes from the inside. Inwardly, they are raving wolves. But the Bible let us know says we should know them by their fruit. Amen. We should know them by the fruit that they bear. We ought to know, amen, whether they belong to Jesus Christ or not. A prepared church, 2 Timothy 3 and 13 says, But evil men that seduce shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're living in a time, amen, it's not getting any better in religious. Evil men is coming forward. 
and they are seducing, they are waxing worse and worse. And all we have to do, amen, is look on our television, amen, and look back at some of our history, amen, and you can see, amen, where people that were supposed to be of, of Jesus Christ, supposed to be living, amen, the gospel of Jesus Christ has lied to billions. Many persecution and deception will confront the church. But God has prepared the church to prevail. I don't care, man, what's going on in life. God has prepared the church to prevail. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. And everything that is saying amen that I know Jesus is not of Jesus. Everybody that stick a sign up on their door and says, amen, this is the church, amen, come on to Jesus, it, it don't belong to Jesus. Just listen at the word of God, not me, amen. I'm only sharing with you what the word of God saying. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm agreeing with the word of God. You better know those who label among you. The church is the body of Christ, a body with many members, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 27. Each member have a unique place and a purpose within the body. And when functioned properly, each contributes to the welfare of the whole body. The Holy Spirit must prepare and condition each member in order for it to function properly for the benefit of the body. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to lead the church, not somebody with their own thoughts, amen. It's going to take the Holy Spirit. And there are so many churches today, amen, they are claiming the Holy Spirit and don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. According, amen, to the word of God, the Holy Spirit produced it itself on the day of Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit began. Father, it is necessary for every member to work with the Spirit. Don't work contrary to the Spirit, but work with the Spirit, except in the following his guide and action within. You ought to know the Spirit of God. And this is, amen, what we are going is to try to share with you tonight. Amen. This preparedness, it involves fitting a person with skill, unique to his temperament, his breaking ground, his personality, conditions. A person to make his actual suitable in advance of the need for the action and make a person ready to take the appropriate action as the precise time it is needed. Most believers, as I said, I'm have my granddaughter read out some of this for me and I explain this tonight, praise the Lord. Most believers accurately recognize 
the will of God for their lives. Most believers actually recognize the will of God for their lives. Because the scriptures reveal his general and moral will. Because the scripture, the scripture itself, it reveals his general and moral will. However, many individuals. However, many individuals. Sometimes miss the timing. However, many individuals, they miss the timing of God. They miss the timing. It's bad to miss the timing of God. For events in their lives. For the events in their lives. Understanding proper timing of the will of God is as important as knowing what is his will. Understanding the proper timing of the will of God, it is important. It is important, amen, to know the time, amen, that God is calling you. The time, amen, the Lord is dealing with you. It is very important for you to know the timing. The church is a unique creation church, with a unique mission. The church, the church is a unique, it's a unique creation. As the body of Christ, it exists to perform the will of Jesus Christ on earth. As the body of Jesus Christ, the church, amen, exists is to perform the will of God on earth. Amen. This is what the church is here for. Amen. Is to perform the will of God right here on earth. We are the vessel now of amen, Jesus Christ. Perpetuating the kingdom of heaven, the Lord has called believers to perpetual readiness to do his will, making new converts and preparing them to be the servants of Jesus Christ. All we are here, amen, is to make new converts, to make new disciples. Amen. To follow who? To follow Jesus Christ. That's what, amen, God has left us here to do, amen, is to uh, make disciples. Amen. Somebody that will obey Jesus, not obey man, but obey Jesus. We're not here to deceive anymore. But God knows we're here to tell the truth. I'm talking about a prepared church. A prepared church tonight. A prepared church is marked by distinguishing apostolic traits both in word and greed. I want to say, I mean, a prepared church is a mark of the apostolic church. The church that was started on the day of Pentecost. Amen. We we ought to amen. Follow those examples. We ought to follow those traits. Amen. That the Lord set up on the day of Pentecost. We shouldn't diminish from Amen. That trait. He told his disciples what he wanted them to do and how to do it. And it says. Apostolic characteristics begin with the apostles and prophets. Apostolic it began with, amen, uh, the apostles, amen. We are, amen, under the apostle doctrine, and Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone. It began with the apostle. The apostles obeyed Jesus because Jesus was the example for the apostles to follow. In which Jesus built the New Testament church. He built the New Testament this, this, this church, amen, was a new agreement that Jesus made, amen. I'm going to build, amen, a, 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 a new agreement with you. I'm going to take out the heart of stone, amen, and give you a heart of flesh.
It says, but they continue with the apostolic believers today. They continue. They continue. They didn't let up. Amen. They continue with the apostolic, amen, faith today. We are under the apostolic faith today. I know many, amen, have lost the apostolic faith, walked off from it, amen, and said, amen, uh, they don't believe in it. But let me tell you, God got to prepare people for a prepared church. As Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of Jesus, apostolic faith. You can't move the apostolic faith, amen, because Jesus Christ, amen, he is the head of this thing. Amen. Jesus himself is the head of the apostolic faith. Oh, and the gospel message, which distinguishes church from others. And, and, and the gospel message, which distinguishes his church from others. Amen. There is nothing like the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's not amen that we, we want to do what we want to do and set things in motion like we want to amen set them in motion. But it is about obeying the truth. And the truth, amen, hurts all of us, amen, whether we preaching it, teaching it, Amen. Of what we've done, the truth, amen, will set you free. Like the Shema to Israel, each generation has to pass down distinguishing apostolic traits. If successive generations are to hold to them and propagate them. You know, like the Shema of Israel, amen, that was amen to their heart, amen, and they kept it. And they had to pass it down from one generation to another. So, amen, this is what we are doing at this time, amen, and at this hour. We are, amen, have the trait of the apostles, and we are, amen, producing the gospel of Jesus Christ to this generation. Amen, a generation, amen, that I want to say is fighting the truth. But, amen, we still must stand up and tell the truth regardless, amen, who it hurts, who don't like it. We must stand and tell the truth anyway. Paul instructed Timothy to commit. Paul, Paul, the apostle, whom, amen, was not loved by mankind. Paul, amen, had many fights against false prophets, non-believers. But he instructed a young man by the name of Timothy. To teach to faithful men the things. To teach to what? Faithful men. Faithful men. Faithful men. Uh, it's hard to find real faithful men in the day. Amen. 2019. It's hard to find faithful men. The things he had heard from Paul, so they could in turn teach them to others. Oh, that they can in turn carry this gospel right on down the line. When one of us pass off the scene, somebody else, amen, will pick it up, praise the Lord, and take it on. But they will be teaching and preaching the same thing. They will be minding the same thing. There is no change, amen, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we belong to Jesus Christ, we're going to preach Jesus and him crucified. It is important that believers teach and preach doctrinal truths. But it is most important that they live out those truths daily. Now, listen, listen to this, church. It is, amen. There are so many people, amen, they'll speak the truth, but they won't live it. Amen. We are to be an example unto the world. Amen. It's not, it, it, it's a blessing, amen, is to preach the truth and say the truth. But, amen, where God gets the glory out of your life is you live in the truth. Morning. Anything 
going to do you no good, praise the Lord. And you can speak it all you want, but if you're not living it, when you stand before your maker, he's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you because your work has been in a different Is vital that the church put into the heads, hearts, and hands of the coming generations, the distinct doctrines and practices of the apostles, some of those vital doctrines are are vitally described. It's vital that we constantly put it into our young people's the morals and the principles of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It is vital. We can't let them get away, amen, because there are some churches say, amen, you can do ever what you want and you are still saved. You can go to all these, amen, things that the world give, amen, and you are still saved. No, we must put the truth down into our children. There is a separation period in the truth and not the truth. God knows that we don't distinguish this down in our children now. Our generation will be lost. But there is a prepared, a prepared church. Amen. God is preparing his church. And you heard, amen, what Timothy says, amen. He says, amen, but evil men that seduce shall wax worse and worse. They're going to get worse and worse, church. Deceiving and being deceived. Deceived, amen, and they are being deceived. But we have a responsibility tonight as ministers, evangelists, just as, amen, laymen. Amen, we got a responsibility tonight is to stand for truth. Only the truth in Jesus will set us free. It is vital that the church, amen, put into the hands and the heart and the hands of the coming generation the distinguished doctrine and practice of the apostles. Some of these vital doctrines are described by the Believe in only one God. Amen. We, amen, under the apostle doctrine, we don't believe in no two gods. We don't believe in no three gods. We believe only in one God, according to the scripture. There is not but one God. Teach your children according to the word of God that there is not but one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You can't. You just can't ignore it. Amen, and just try to overlook it. This is the word of God. Believing only in one God who himself took on flesh through his son. Amen. God himself came down in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh. God, capital the G-O-D, came down. Jesus Christ in Deuteronomy 6, 5, 6, and Isaiah 12, and to Matthew 1 and 20. One and twenty-three. Adding to that is the gospel of salvation. The apostles preached the gospel that was given to them by Jesus Himself. The apostles preached the gospel that was given to them by Jesus Christ Himself. He's having the same today, yesterday, and I change it not. Amen. He's the same today. Amen. We ought to preach the same gospel. 
Let the apostles preach. Luke noticed that in Acts of the apostles was a continuing of what Jesus had begun to do and to teach in the days of his flesh when he was walking right on earth. Luke picked this up. Dr. Luke picked this up in Acts 1 and 8. He said the apostle Paul secured spelling out the gospel according to the scripture as the depth. Amen. If we don't preach the depth of Jesus, you might want to quit it. We don't preach the barrel, you might want to quit it. And if you don't preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you might want to stop. Because I believe in the depth, I believe in the barrel, and I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 1 through 8. Read that when you get time. Moreover, the, the gospel involves the believer associate with the romantic elements of Jesus. Life as a believer experience their practice application in his own life. He experienced the death of Jesus Christ through the repentance of sin. In other words, you know, many times I ask, the, I ask people, amen, when you come to Jesus Christ, did you die? And they say, Bishop, I don't even know what you're talking about. But you done came to Jesus Christ and you done repented yourself of your sin and you didn't spiritually die. Let me tell you, this is why, amen, we can be fooled so easy. When you come to Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and your Savior, you ought to spiritually die to sin. Die to it. It should not be alive no more in you. You want to die to sin. Secondly, experience it was the burial of Christ through water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, Acts 2 and 38, Acts 8 and 16, Acts 10 and 48. Now, amen, there are many people today, amen, still don't believe in being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name, in the name, not of the name, but in the name. The Bible teaches us, amen, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is the word of God. This is the apostles of the doctrine. This is the doctrine of the apostles. Thirdly, he experienced the resurrection of Christ when he received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit gave the uttering in Acts 2, 1, and 4, Acts 38, and 42, Isaiah 28 and 11 through 12, many other scriptures I could give. But he experienced something when he received the Holy Ghost. When you experience the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost ought to bring you into the oneness of Jesus Christ. When you experience the Holy Ghost, 
you will understand who the Father is, you will understand who the Son is, and you will understand who the Holy Spirit is when you experience the Holy Ghost. There is no difference. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll learn who the Son son was and what his purpose was and God, which is the creator, and what the Holy Spirit is now, our keeper and our comforter. At this day and time that we're living in now, they are the same. It's not three in one, but they are one. It is essential that one be filled with the Holy Spirit to be saved. We're living in a time now, amen, we're getting away from the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Church is saying you do not have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues in order to be saved. Well, don't wrestle with me, amen. Don't fight with me. Read your Bible. Romans 8, amen, chapter 8, verse 9 and 10 through 14. It says, after experiencing the new birth, a believer continues to grow in Christ and manifests spiritually progress in his holy lifestyle. Sanctification under God and life of a Christian service. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. Read that. After receiving the Holy Ghost, we ought to grow. We ought to become more like Jesus Christ. Yes, old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become to be new. I'm talking about a prepared church. God has given us a prepared church. And we must walk. According, amen, to the faith that Jesus Christ has put within us. Emphasis on the name of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6 and 9, read that when you have time. Matthew 18 and 20. St. Mark 16 and 17. St. John 2 and 23 and others, Acts 2 and 38, Ephesians 5 and 20. Sometimes we see writing that emphasize the use of the term Christ. We have little or no meaning of the name of Jesus. For Christ means the anointed. One, and Jesus is the Christ. Christ means the anointed, and Jesus is the Christ. So if you have Jesus, you ought to have the anointing of Jesus. It's heard more as a description title than a name. The New Testament, it emphasized the importance of the name of Jesus. It, amen. It, it, it definitely emphasized the importance of the name of Jesus. Matthew 1 and 21, you know what it says. She shall 
bring forward a son, and thou shalt call his name. Call his name what? Call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. Acts 10 and 12, read it. All that we do must be in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3 and 17. Everything that we do ought to be in the name of Jesus. That ought to let us know, amen, there is nobody left, amen, but Jesus. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and then will recede on up into glory. Come on, church. We are under the apostle doctrine. Serve one another in love by the Spirit of God. i never seen so many sanctified folks today, amen, they ain't serving one another in love. I don't know what kind of spirit is going on. Faithful folks go to church every Sunday, but they don't have the love of Jesus in them. When we are, amen, truly been born again, we will serve one another in love by the Spirit of God. John 3 and 35, Romans 5 and 5, Galatians 5 and 13, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9. Sanctification from the Word as a holy and peculiar treasure to God. Exodus chapter 19 and 5, Deuteronomy 14 and 2, 1 Peter 2 and 9, many others. Amen, scriptures that I can give. Prepare in this dictionary, give us seven meanings for the word discipline. First, it means to inflict suffering on uh, to penalize for the sake of discipline. Regardless, regulating order or rule. Second, the word means to train by instruction or exercise. Third, it means to bring a group under control, governance, stricken, trained to inhabit or order. All true disciples is for the purpose of inflicting and promoting self. Now, amen, we, we got to learn discipline. It is Jesus that is controlling us. Godly discipline arose from the gentle word, love, and brethren of one's heart. When motivating comes from the outside of the heart, however, a person becomes guilty of merely trying to enact or enforce a code of rules apart from being gentle, love for God. When the law of God was written in our heart, however, we chose our course and planned our action according to 
the highest moral law under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We said we're going to obey. No matter how high that law is, we're going to obey. Because we're going to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that trains us. Several religious experience of discipline helps us to regulate our mind and body, which in turn helps us to draw nigh to God and enhance our relationship with him. Let me tell you, amen, how one way to enhance our relationship with, to, with the Lord. That is, amen, through prayer and fasting. I think we almost can cut that out today, amen, in 2019, amen. We don't talk about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is a solitude in the willingness to prepare Jesus to confront the devil and his temptation and his victoriously conquering him. If Jesus had in the past and prayed when he was in the wilderness, amen, Satan might have overcome him. But Jesus, amen, put up a weapon, fasting and praying, meaning he denied his old flesh. Matthew chapter 4, 2 and 11, Jesus advocates prayer, praying to God as indispensable to the believer. We must pray to God. And Jesus teaches us, but when you pray, use not vain repetition as a heathen do. For they think, they think, they think that they should be heard for their much speaking, Matthew 6 and 9. People, amen, is nothing, and God knows I, 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 I my education, amen, but people go to school, amen, to learn how to speak, and they think because the words sound so eloquent, amen, that's getting somewhere with God. That ain't getting nowhere with the Lord. It's good to know him. But that ain't, that, 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 it, it might help. Help you out, amen, and man theory, but it don't help you out with God. God is looking for the sincereness of your heart. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Now, amen, we have prayer on each Wednesday night. And as I'm speaking to you tonight, Amen. This scripture reddish in my mind heavily. If you ask in the Lord for something, I want you to believe that the Lord is going to answer that prayer. We don't have to constantly ask the Lord for this prayer every day. If you believe, the Bible says, whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe that you will receive it and ye shall have them according to Mark 11 and 24. You got to believe the Lord. Just because it may not happen right then, it, it, it shouldn't stop you from believing the Lord is not going to give it to you. You may not even be ready for it. Only the Lord knows when to give things to us at the right time. When you pray, when you pray, say, Our Father, which are in heaven. You got to amen, recognize who you're talking to. You're not just talking to 
to know anybody. You're not talking to another man, amen, a high priest, praise the Lord. You are talking to the creator of the world. You are talking to, amen, one thought could break us all out of here, and amen, we'll be like we never existed before. You, Amen. I can't even describe how great or who you're really talking to. But it say when you pray, say, I have a father which is in heaven, and you got to reverend his holy name. You, you, you got to give him praise for what he already has done. Even before he's done, you got to reverend his holy name. Hollywood be thou name. Your name, your name, your name is Jesus. Your name is worthy to be praised. Your name is amen, giving glory and honor to the angels, amen, reverend the name of Jesus. Then thou kingdom come. Pray that God's kingdom come within our lives. Pray that God's kingdom come within our lives. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But it is joy, power, oh, in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Pray that that come in our life. Thou will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Pray that these things, amen, come in our life. Your will be done, Lord. Now, I know, amen, all the time, God's ways is not like our way. We may not like his will. But you can, if you see, if you can, amen. If you can look at it in no other way out except His will. Even if it's taking your loved one, who you love too, amen. Except God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is joy, there is peace, and there is love in heaven. God don't make no mistake. Prayer prepares it prepares the apostles to avoid. The snares of temptation. Listen, when you pray, it avoids you from going into temptation. You may not know what you are even praying for, but when you pray, that prayer puts up a shield that you won't walk into temptation. Let you do things, amen, that you would, would not necessarily do, amen, if you had been praying. But because you didn't pray, you are weak and you go right on in the temptation. Fall into something that you wasn't going to fall into if you had a prayer. Jesus stated, prayer, pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray, pray that you enter not into temptation. St. Luke 22 and 40. Prayer and fasting. It prepares a believer. We are going right here trying to serve the Lord now without any prayer, per se, without any fasting. And the devil is whooping us up because we are not obeying the word of God. We don't have the power. We don't have the anointing like we should. Because we are not obeying the word of God. Pray and fast and profound the believer to exercise their faith for the miraculous. How be it, amen, this kind goes out, goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. 
There is some demon, some demon, amen, you cannot get out. You just can't come off the top of your head and pray and say, say to the Lord, rebuke you, come out in Jesus. Them demons ain't going nowhere because you don't have the power to cast them out. But I declare, if you deny, deny yourself. You pray and you fast. Let this old body do without some food. And let that demon come and stand before you. I guarantee you, amen, he'll come out. Matthew chapter 17 and 21. For interviewing by God, Cornelius testified four days ago. I was fasting until this hour. And at the night hour, I prayed in my house. You don't have to go to the synagogue to pray. You can pray right there in your house. And the old man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, he called him by his name. He knew who he was. The Lord knows who every one of us is in the land. He knows, amen, because he created. He knows you by your name. He said, Cornelius, our prayer is heard. And thy arm uh, has, in, has come in remembrance in the sight of God. Cornelius, I don't hurt you. I don't hurt your prayer. Now, amen, because you were a man that Crucified your old body. I'm going to answer your prayer. Acts 10 and 30 and 31 tell you that. To undertake the mission, the church at Antioch appointed Paul, uh, appointed Barnabas and Saul. Saul for a mission. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called thee. These were two men of God, two powerful men of God. But the devil wanted to bring on a conspiracy among them. But the elders, amen, they believed, amen, in fasting and prayer. They began to fast and pray and let, amen, the Holy Spirit teach them what to do and how, amen, this thing ought to be directed. We set too many missionaries in office. We set too many young ministers in office without fasting and praying. And when they don't do right, amen, we want to blame them, amen, for all their little mistakes, amen, but we should have got an answer from the Holy Spirit before we sent them out. As they ministered to the Lord, fasting and praying, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And then they had fasted and they prayed and they laid hands on them and sent them away. And as you fast and pray, the Holy Spirit will direct you. You won't be making no mistake by sending and setting up the wrong somebody in your church. As you fast and pray, 
God bless you. This is Dr. Morton Knight. I will continue on this on next week if the Lord delay is coming. Amen. A prepared church. Praise the Lord. May God bless you tonight. We love you out there in Radio Lane. That was awesome coming from Dr. Moore tonight, talking about being a prepared church. Are you a prepared church? Well, you just got key insights about that. So just read up one. And like I said, do me a favor and make that checklist. That way you know what your steps are to be a prepared church. Until next time, good night and God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.